morning's scripture, second chapter of Genesis, verses 18 through 25. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, but I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of he- the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The word of God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we come this morning to your word on Father's Day. And Lord, we pray that your word would give us insight into your plan, into what you want this world to reflect in the natural order that you have provided for us to live our lives. Father, we pray that it would give us a new understanding of what family means, what it means to be a mom and a dad and to serve you. And Lord, we pray that in and through this you may be glorified not by my words, but by the words of your Spirit. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the title of this message is not a 80s, 90s pop group. It is Boys to Men, and that's not what I was meaning whenever I, I went with that. But as I mentioned last week, I'm taking the week off from the study of Romans, and I don't ordinarily do that for Father's Day or Mother's Day. Usually the only time we take a break is during Christmas and Easter, and we just keep rolling right through these other holidays. But I have been dismayed, to put it lightly, in the past few weeks, couple months, whatever the case may be, at what I'm witnessing in our society. And so I found that God put a burden on my heart to address this issue, and so Father's Day was a wonderful time to do it. And That's what we're doing this morning. We will jump back in with Romans 16 next week, but for this week we are jumping all the way back to the beginning, to creation, and look at what God intended for a man and a woman and a family. On December the 14th of 2012, a young man named Adam Lanza took his grandmother's gun, shot and killed her with it, grabbed four more guns, drove to the local school, Sandy Hook, killed 20 first grade children and six staff members before finally killing himself. Many more took place in the interim, but on this past May 24th, a young man named Salvador Ramos shot his grandmother in the head. She survived. But then he drove to Robb Elementary School, 
where he killed 19 children and two teachers. I could go through all of the shootings, the school shootings over the past 25 years, but we would be here till mid-afternoon. Unfortunately, it has become an all-too-common theme in our society. People study them, people look at them, people try to figure out what's going on. Psychologists spend a great deal of time trying to understand what causes this phenomenon. Our government and politicians are reactionary. They seem to focus on the availability of weapons. And they think that that's the answer. They focus on that while ignoring the underlying causes that in my mind is right before us and obvious. To use slang, in my mind, it is a no-brainer. But the government and politicians think that if they take away the weapons, then the killings will stop. I disagree. I believe that is a very short-sighted solution to the problem. They like to talk about video games, right? That they have these awful, horrible video games, and all of a sudden our kids can't differentiate reality from fantasy. I played video games. My whole generation played video games. And before that, I played Cowboys and Indians where we shot each other. We talk about bullying at school, right? I was bullied. My father's generation was bullied. It doesn't make it right. It's a horrible thing. But we've forever dealt with that issue. It's forever been a a, a horrible part of how we have to grow up and deal with bad things in society and in this world. It's not a new phenomenon. Kids are rough. Kids are hard to deal with. They make fun of each other. They pick at each other. That's just the reality of being a kid. Doesn't excuse it, but doesn't mean that kids go get guns and go to school and kill each other over it either. I'm thoroughly convinced that the root cause of this problem begins in the home begins at the very foundation of the family. There is a paper that was published in 2016 by Peter Langman, where up to that point there had been 56 school shootings. And of those 56 school shootings, 10 of them had an intact family, meaning mom and dad lived under the same roof. Now, I can't tell you what that relationship was, probably, and I'm willing to risk it, not very good. Not very good. Not very good at all. Neither Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook, nor Salvador Ramos had a stable family. Wasn't there didn't exist 
In fact, both of those, neither mother or father were in the home. So you ask, why do I do this on Father's Day? Why not Mother's Day? Well, I will tell you I do it on Father's Day because I feel that fathers play such a critical role in the lives of these young men that we see doing these horrible things. And fathers are more likely to abandon those young men than what the mothers are. So dads, you're getting it with both barrels this morning. And this is especially true with respect to boys. Two weeks ago, I had a juvenile before me that I was having all kinds of issues with, and it started my mind to thinking. And I asked the circuit clerk, I said, run me a report of every juvenile that I send to the Illinois Department of Juvenile Justice, which is prison for juveniles, Harrisburg and other facilities all over the state. And tell me how many of those since 2015 had a mother and a father show up at court. Guess the answer? One. One kid had a father that even showed up. I will not vouch for the relationship. I will assure you it was bad. But one kid had a father that showed up. How many hear this on the news? You don't. You won't. But that is the reality of the world that we live in, and frankly, it's no different for adults. I will go back into court on Tuesday morning, and I will see the jury box filled with men that had no dad. And if there was a dad, they did nothing to help the child. And they are doing the same thing to all the kids that they become fathers of. Rare, extremely rare, I absolutely can't remember the last time where I had a male defendant going to prison and had a father there to support him. Can't. It's beyond my memory. I cannot impress upon you strong enough, and I probably don't have the words that are strong enough to convey it, the absolute necessity of mom and dad raising a child. Men, women, we're different. We're different by design. We're different because God made us to be different. It is part of His perfect design and plan. Does that make the man more important than the woman? Or dad more important than mom? Certainly not. That's where our society has lost its mind. Does it mean that we're not equal? Certainly not. We're absolutely equal in the eyes of God. It means, though, that we're absolutely both essential to the family. Mothers play an irreplaceable role in rearing and raising and nurturing that young child. 
God has chosen mothers to give life and bring children in the world. Men cannot do that. No matter what society tries to tell us, we can't do that. We do not have the physiological parts that enable us to do it. Nor do we have the emotional ability. You see all these horrific situations with shaken babies and there's never an excuse for it, but it's always the man who can't deal with what's going on in that situation. Moms are nurturers. They love to nurture their children. They provide the love and affection and attention that a newborn so desperately needs. If a mother fails to give the newborn that type of attention and love and and nurturing, then they become detached and horrible things happen later on. However, at some point there becomes a time, especially for boys, that a mother's job is to back away. Dr. Dobson says that at 18 months, a young child starts to back away from their mother. That's what happens. And begins the attachment to their father. This transition is critically necessary. If it doesn't happen, then that boy is at high risk for all sorts of deviant behavior, and that girl is at high risk to being abused. I can attest to these situations because I see them every day. And seeing them once or twice may be anecdotal, but when I see them over and over and over and hundreds and hundreds of times, it becomes something that I'm absolutely convinced of. I see men in their 40s and in their 50s, they come to court, and who do they bring with them? Mama. Mama. The detachment never has happened. Dad was never there to make that transition away from mom. And mom continues to nurture and love and coddle them to where they don't know how to be men. And when mama comes to court with him, ain't his fault, right? She will go to her dying grave saying, not my little Johnny. He didn't do anything wrong. It was their fault. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. To see a grown man bring mommy with him. And she's there to continue to nurture and to nurse him throughout his life. You see, the problem is moms don't have a clue how to make boys to men. Can't do it. I'm sorry. For as much as you want to and as much as you hope to, can't do it. So the problem is, when dad's not there, mom coddles and loves and nurtures as the boy continues to grow. They realize they don't know how to make this boy into a man. They do the best they can, but dad's checked out. And so at some point, they may think that, well, I probably need to push back, but you know what's happened? 
he's looked around and he says, I'm going to become a man based on what I see out here. And what I see is abuse, power, and force. And then that gets reflected on mom. And before long, mom's got a man that she's scared of because if she tries to push back, then he's going to abuse her either physically or psychologically. what happens inherent within every boy is the need to become a man and without an engaged father they have to learn it on their own and that doesn't go well just like men cannot bring life into this world and provide the necessary love and affection and nurturing that a child needs Moms, you're incapable of bringing boys to men. That's the father's responsibility. God has given us that role in a family. Society knows this. Rest assured, they they know this. But you won't hear about it. You will not hear about this in society. As I said, you don't hear the news media talking about Adam Lanza's dad being gone, checked out, left the family, that there was no relationship there. Not a word. Matter of fact, it's hard to find and research if you even pull it up on the internet. They can't because it doesn't concur with the narrative that the world wants to put on society. They want to tell you that a family doesn't need a mom and a dad. They want you to embrace that idea. They want to tell you that two dads are just as good as a mom and a dad. Or two moms is just as good as a mom and a dad. Or whatever it may be, since gender is fluid, it doesn't have to be mom or dad. It could be something in the middle. That's destructive to our society, and our society knows it, but they back themselves into a corner they can't get out of. So we celebrate non-traditional families. Now, am I saying that bad things happen to every child that's raised by, every boy that's raised by a single mother or every daughter that's raised by a single dad? Absolutely not. But I am telling you, they are at critically high risk of things not working out right. That's why grandfathers, grandmothers, so often, and it's my tendency as well, to just be a buddy. But whenever you've got a situation where that's a single parent and they're not getting what they need from that other parent, then you need to fill those shoes. And that means discipline filling those shoes. And it's hard being a grandparent to try to discipline a grandchild. But if they don't have you, they've got nobody. Daughters need their fathers as well. Father-father relationship is critical. They need to be taught that the daughter should expect to be respected. And they're taught that through their dad. And they're taught that through the father's relationship with the mother. 
Daughters need the fathers to set examples on how husbands love wives, how they respect wives, how they protect wives. I can't tell you the number of times that I've seen a situation where the mom is abused by the father in the relationship, and then lo and behold, the daughter gets older and becomes an adult. What type of man does she seek? One that beats her and abuses her in every way because dad was abusive and taught the daughter that's what a family looks like. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that fathers are more important. I'm just saying that we drop the ball more often than what I feel moms do. And in, the consequences are great in our society. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created both men and women in his own image. They are both of equal importance. It's what it means. I don't want this to be misinterpreted to thinking that one is more important than the other. I want you to understand that they complement. We complement each other perfectly. So it was by God's design and he created us in his image. Those differences that we have, they should be celebrated. They should be glorifying to God. But unfortunately, society views this and wants us all to not only be equal, but be the same. And we're not. The differences between a mother and father complement each other in a very perfect way. But we're different. Man was created first in Genesis 2 that I read. He was created first. And the female was created second. What does that mean? Is there any significance to one being created before the other? I think there is. And I think, as I listen to Piper, he believes so as well. In, in Hebrew society, who inherited everything? The firstborn son. It was his utmost importance the firstborn son was different than the rest of them. Because he was born first. Did he control that? No, he did not. But there was a great deal of significance given to who came first. And the Lord commanded the man saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat it you will die. Anybody know who God's talking to here? Adam. Eve's not even been created yet. There is no evidence that this was ever even told to Eve. So what's going on? What's the point? God entrusted Adam to tell Eve and teach her God's moral requirement. So God created Adam and gave him a tremendous responsibility whenever he gave him Eve. That Adam, you are to be 
the spiritual moral leader of your household. Adam was ultimately responsible for his family knowing what God had commanded. Let that sink in a little bit, men. Right? How big a role are you playing in the responsibility of what God commands us in your household? Ruminate it. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said to him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So here we have Adam in the garden. Adam has already eaten the fruit. Who ate first? Eve ate first. Eve ate first. Who does God call to account? Adam. Eve ate first. And you're going to see Adam blame it on her in a little bit. But Eve ate first and God goes straight to Adam and says, Where are you? I gave you... It was your duty, your job, your obligation for me to you to teach your family about the things of God and the moral obligations that you have, and you broke it. Adam was the first to give an account of what happened. God held him accountable. Now make no mistake. God holds Eve accountable as well. She was a moral being and held responsible for her disobedience the same way he holds every individual ultimately responsible. But special responsibility fell on the leader of the household. And in this case, it was Adam. And he called Adam to account first. He was basically asking him, have you done what I've asked you to do and been the leader of your household and taught Eve what I ask you to teach her about morality and obe- obedience to God? Dr. Dobson wrote, In my view, America's greatest need is for husbands to begin guiding their families rather than pouring every physical and emotional resource into the mere acquisition of money. I'll repeat that. In my view, America's greatest need is for husbands to begin guiding their families rather than pouring every physical and emotional resource into the mere acquisition of money. Wow. God set up the perfect order. Not an order where one is more important than the other but in order where we all have different jobs. And if somebody fails in doing their job, then bad things happen. Things deteriorate. God sets up this perfect order, and then Satan intervenes in it, right? Satan didn't intervene by approaching Adam. 
He didn't do that. He intervened by approaching Eve. He wanted to take God's order and invert it, turn it upside down. To turn it totally upside down. By approaching Eve, Satan decided that he would make the woman the spiritual and moral leader of the household and turn the man into a a passive, silent, withdrawn, emasculated being who is incapable of leading the family. That's what he did. I'm not going to approach Adam, I'm going to approach Eve, and by approaching Eve, I'm going to turn what God created upside down, and now we're going to make the female, the woman, the leader of spiritual things in the house. Genesis 3.17. Then to Adam he said, because you, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. This passage does not mean that a husband should not listen to the wife. Not at all. Okay? So just get that out there. What God is basically telling Adam here is you should have been leading spiritually. Instead, you were being led spiritually. And this is what happened. You were dragged into sin by not obeying the leadership role that I have given you. You should have been protecting your wife from the pitfalls of the devil. Not in a domineering way, but in a loving, gentle way where she knew that you had only her best interest in your heart and in your mind. I think this is exactly what Paul had in mind when he wrote about marriage and what marriage should look like in Ephesians 5. It says, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body, He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. So Paul had just instructed wives to obey their husbands before this passage. And then he jumps right into the husband's role of loving their wives as Christ loves the church and that is an incredibly heavy burden and I will tell you that this instruction to obey your husband is hand in hand with husband loving the wife as Christ loves the church they should never be viewed in isolation notice that it is the goal of Christ to present the church pure and without blemish And that is the role the husband is to have with his wife. 
And I think that goes all the way back to what we see in Genesis. That it was Adam's role to protect and guide and help and instruct because that was the role that he had been given. And he flat out dropped the ball. He worried only about himself and said she could take care of her own self. But whenever he said she could take care of her own self, then he wasn't loving her as Christ loved the church. I call all of us to be engaged. Dads, be engaged. You'll always have a desire and a threat of making more money. You can't take that with you. But what you can do is change the life of generations and generations and generations to come. Be a father to your son. Be a father to your daughter. Don't let that responsibility fall on your wife. Teach your son about Jesus. Teach your daughter about Jesus. Don't turn God's order upside down by making that fall on your wife. It's our calling and it's a heavy calling. It is a burden, but it is one that we have to answer. Because our society is disintegrating before our very eyes. Because we do not cherish God's created family anymore. Last story. Had small kids, two of them, this tall. Couldn't see them over my bench. Possession of marijuana. I said, how old are you? Twelve. Twelve. Who's sitting out there? You got it by now, right? Who's sitting out there? Mom. I said, where's dad? They laughed. We don't know. We don't know. In fact, one of those twins, they were, they were twins. In fact, one of those twins was brought to the ambulance service two weeks before with no pulse because he had overdosed on alcohol by injecting it anally. Dad's gone. Be engaged. Be engaged in the lives of your children. It was God's design. It glorifies Him by being engaged and being the leader of our families. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for giving us a beautiful, perfect design for our families. Father, forgive us for destroying that. Forgive us for thinking that we know better than you. Lord, it has been tugged and destroyed and diluted and pulled out from every direction, Lord. Father, let not us, the church, allow it to happen in our own lives. The world's going to do what the world's going to do, Lord, but let us stand up and stand strong and say, no, we're going to be men, fathers, and husbands of God that appreciate and respect what you've created and give us the strength and courage to do our duties as fathers and as mothers to our daughters and to our sons. And through that, may you be glorified. For it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all sing and...